0: Welcome to Beyond the Game, Wealth Mastery for Athletes. I'm your host, Chris Benson, joined by nine-year NFL vet, Alec Ogletree. Beyond the Game is a podcast where we will provide a playbook for financial growth, both on and off the field. Join us each week as we have an in-depth conversation with other professional athletes who've mastered the art of wealth creation. They're going to share their triumphs, setbacks, and maybe some lessons learned so you don't make the same mistakes. Join us. We think you're going to enjoy it. All right, guys. Today we had the man once named the most dominant defensive player in the game, University of Georgia alum linebacker. The man led the SEC in tackles his junior year in college, an absolute stud, All-American. Rennie Curran. The thing that stuck out to me most with Rennie was he had a an interesting playing career. Was essentially always fighting an uphill battle, but. The amount of work he did on himself while he still was in the game to be ready for that transition to beyond the game was incredible. So I think you guys are going to love his story, especially if you're trying to find a way to what is going to be next for you. Rennie's story is going to resonate with you.
1: All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to uh, Beyond the Game here Um, today. we got my good friend uh Rennie Kern here, Georgia legend. Just been inducted into the uh, Georgia Hall of Fame and uh, also recently engaged. And uh, so yeah, we're here with him and obviously our co- co-host uh, here, uh, Chris Benson. And uh, so, yeah, man, we appreciate you coming definitely, on, man. man. Most definitely. Definite.
0: Definite. I'm sorry Alec had to beat you in ping pong. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's Wait, all good. Before we start, I saw the Instagram post for the engagement. Yeah. yeah. This, looked like, this looked like the wedding. Appreciate it,
2: man. That's, how, that's quick, how I like to do it. Quick high level. <laughs> what was the setup? What was the story? So the story behind it was, you know, I'm a keynote speaker full-time now, and we also met at a charity event. And so my thinking was that I'm going to tell her that this is just another uh, speaking event, you know, charity event for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Sure. So I even had a guy call me and say, Hey, Rennie, I got an opportunity for you on uh, October 29th on Sunday. So she had no clue whatsoever. She was thinking, well, she's come to a bunch of them with me just, you know, um, helping me, supporting. She's an amazing girl. Um, helped me sell books and things like that. So she walks in. It's at the Omni in Atlanta, um, Centennial Park. Mm. Uh, she gets there, man, and I had an Uber pick her up. So I was telling her, hey, they want me to go in a little bit earlier to meet with some donors, you know, because I have a foundation. So I'm like, you know, they just want me to meet them. They want to. Help me prepare and whatnot. So she didn't think anything of it. Sure. She got there. Uh, we got, I told everybody to get there at 5. All her family, friends, all um, my coaches. I mean, everybody we knew and loved and all that good stuff. So the, all of them got there. Not all of them. You know, it was always some late family. <laughs> <apparently, yeah>. So <laughs> I told everybody to get there at 5. She got there around like 6.30. She missed her first Uber. So that actually helped because there was a couple of stragglers. So she gets there at like 6.30. She walks in, man. And um, I, the setup was basically I had the—everybody on—had uh, three columns of, like, pictures, roses, and all that stuff. Holy And then smokes. on the dance floor, man, romantic, it all led man. to the dance floor, yeah, with roses and the marry me sign and all that. So when she walked in, everybody said surprise, and then they parted ways, and then there was a marry me sign, and, yeah, did my little speech, and— <sighs> It was yeah. It was amazing, man. Awesome, awesome. I'm not gonna let my wife listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're setting man. the bar
0: high.
3: It's I high. know. I didn't mean it's she deserves high. it, man. She
2: deserves. She's a good one. It's hard to find a good one out here, man. Like you don't understand, bro. It was a struggle. So like, good yeah. For you. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. What'd you do when you were engaged? Yeah. You were I was right? supposed to
1: go take my <laughs> wife to dinner and do it, do the proposal, but <laughs> <You didn't make laughs> we went to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't make it to dinner. <laughs> 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 we made it to dinner, but. I I I eh, kind of chicken out a little bit. I was like <laughs> I'm not doing this in no restaurant. I'm going to do this in the <laughs> hotel room, whatever, right? And so I end up uh I ended up singing All of Me by John Legend, right? Mm. In case y'all didn't know, I'm a singer. You were singing <laughs> okay, okay. to her? Yeah, I was singing to her. Uh, did she have this on video? Yeah, she got Uh-oh, it all. we it. <laughs> it's only, it's only for her. We got to get for that her. clip somewhere. No, no, it can't happen. Yeah, the auto-tune <laughs> on it.
2: <you> just did. <laughs> 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 the <laughs> auto-tune mic. <laughs> I had a
1: plan, and I was recording it, you know, with it. I'm like, yeah, you should record this right here, right? And um, uh-huh. yeah, at the end of the song, I was down on one knee and proposed nice. to her, and yeah, she was like, Unexpected, obviously, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I did mine.
2: Can't go wrong with John Legend, man. That's no, no, you can't. You legendary. Can't. Yeah, well, congrats, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rennie. <Randy>. Nice <laughs> phase uh, of your life. Yeah. You started to set the bar high though. I'm telling you, know, my man. wife and I have been married
0: for 20 years. You set the bar that high. Yeah. That's man. a lot of expectation Ooh, moving forward. Wee. That's
2: what I do, man. You know, it's tone setter, right? Hey, you know? Ain't that
1: wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> ain't that wrong with that? Speaking yeah. of that, um, yeah, so Obviously, like you said, we got you the other day. Obviously the name is beyond the game, right? For so sure. going, I guess kinda of go back to when did you know you were gonna play football? Mm-hmm. Well, how was football like a part of your life? How did it become a part of your life?
2: Yeah, man. So football really started when I moved to Gwinnett. So okay. uh grew up in uh Atlanta, Atlanta. Like yeah. people say Atlanta, but they talking about like, yeah, Yeah, yeah no, nah, I I was born midtown. Up off uh, North Korea, baby, yeah, nah, Crawford Long, Crawford Long. Yeah, okay, if you don't know about Crawford Long, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, parents from Liberia, man, so they knew absolutely nothing about football mm-hmm. whatsoever, just thought it was a bunch of people hitting each other. First generation, so, yeah, first generation, man, first person in my entire family to ever do it. So, um, but if your parents came directly from Liberia, they weren't yeah. second generation to America, born here, nah, they to, they hmm. yeah, came fresh, man. Um, mom came here on scholarship to go to Emory. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a nurse. So she came here to get her master's. Then my dad came, um, developed the skill of fixing shoes. Mm-hmm. So he eventually uh, bought into a shoe repair franchise out in Kennesaw. So he would drive back and forth for like an hour. I mean, they were just grinders, man. Super humble people, man. There was a civil war taking place at that time. Um, you know, over 300,000 people lost their lives. So those were my earliest experiences. Mm-hmm. So we start out there, when I'm 10 years old, we moved to Gwinnett. Okay. So my parents' idea was education, right? That's most immigrants, they're thinking, you know, you need yeah. to get that degree, you need yep. to set yourself up. Yep. So they moved um, <coughs> me, or us, our family to Brookwood, which they had, they were just thinking education. not knowing, Brookwood is a powerhouse football school. And I just so happened to meet my little league coach, Ronnie Benton, um, I mean, South Georgia boy, Alamo, mm. Georgia. Most people have no clue where that's at. It's like, I don't I don't know where Almo is. Yeah, yeah, one street light town, but the biggest Georgia fan. So he was the reason why I, I really found football. I found a love for it. His son played quarterback. I eventually played running back. And um, it all started there, man. We had an amazing Little League team. I tell everybody, we like the Mighty Ducks. We're like, remember the <laughs> Titans? We, we lost six games out of all the years we played together. And we're still connected to this day. I was the best man in his son's wedding. I just actually talked to him on the way here. Hmm. My Little League coach, yeah, he's like my Mickey, like if you watch Rocky, Rocky yeah. Yeah, yeah. So always giving words of wisdom, you know, it became like a second father, man. Um, but yeah, those were my earliest experiences. Started out as like offensive lineman, then running back, then found linebacker in, in high school. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I was, uh, I was ready to quit, actually, when it first started. But um, because my Little League coach said, Rennie Curran, focus on what you can control. That's what, for me, established that mentality that I had as a linebacker. Where I told myself, man, I'm gonna either make every single play, I'm gonna be around around the ball on every single down, and that's uh, what got me to to University of Georgia and you know, the rest of my career, man. Just effort. Is is Brookwood? I don't know Georgia
0: football well enough. Brook Brookwood in high school ranks studs. I mean, that's that's a big yeah, time program. Yeah. Gwinnett
2: as a whole. I mean, there's so much talent right, that comes that? out of
1: Brookwood Gwinnett. Parkview. Yeah, Brookwood Buford. Parkview. Yep.
2: So, we got, like, Alvin Kamara. Oh, right. Uh, we That's got right. Lorenzo Carter. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. I'm out of Jared Cook. Um, so many players have come out. And I'm leaving out a ton of names. But, um, yeah, so much talent has come out of when so that when, area. So,
0: when did you know it was a
2: path for you to yeah. education, right? I mean, I, I assume you were first person in your family. Were you brothers and sisters? or Two older sisters. I'm the youngest. Okay. They go, to, they go to college before you? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. When it came to sports, man, I knew, like, because my, my sister, my oldest sister, she uh, was born in Liberia. So when she came here, she had the opportunity to go to Emory, but they actually took all of her scholarships because she didn't have her green papers. Oh. Mm. Yeah. And so my parents, they were like, nah, you're going to Emory. You've made the grades. You've done what you need to do. So they took out all their life savings and helped her to go through Emory. Yeah. Mm. And then like the next year, my dad lost his business. Mom almost died from a surgery. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, if I don't get this football thing, if I don't get a scholarship, like I'm gonna be at the crib.
3: Yeah.
2: I I just go down and I remember having that specific thought. This was at like 12 years old. So at that moment, I was like this is so much bigger than just football. Like I got to change the trajectory for my family. Mm-hmm. Like at 12 years old, I'm having those thoughts, it's a man. heavy burden. Yeah, it was it was very, it was a heavy time, man, and um luckily I had so many people around me, man, that blessed me, going back to my little league coach. This man like you know, he paid for, get, uh, son, this, right? mm. paid for me to get training with his son. Who does this, right? Paid for me to get training with his son by a guy, a guy by the name of Chip Smith, and uh, Chip is, you know, in the Gwinnett area. Mm. Trained Brian Urlacher, Champ Bailey, um, just like performance guy, speed. Performing. He invented. He invented uh, pre-draft NFL draft, uh, you know, preparation and that mm. whole deal. So he happens to live fifteen minutes away. Happens to take a liking to me and happens to let me train for free. Mm. Yeah. So, if you ever read the book about Malcolm Gladwell, The Outliers, sure. he's talking about me, you know? I'm an outlier. So, because of the people, because of the environment, and I just so happen to be in that community, man. <laughs>
1: most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. So, kind of transitioning four, you go to Brookwood, obviously stand out there at Brookwood, yeah. right? And then uh, you end up... Uh, going to Georgia, right?
2: Was Georgia your only offer? It it was all and everything, man. Georgia was where I wanted to go. I was considered too short for my position, man. So I heard it from 15 years old, from when my recruiting process started that undersized Mm -hmm. every every term that basically meant you weren't what they wanted, what they expected. I was called that. And, you know, it was hard work. It was going over the above. It was putting myself out there. That's really where I I started to learn about sales and marketing. Cause I, I mean, I was, I became a salesman. i would put my Timberland boots on, give me two extra inches. (laughs) And I (laughs) my Little League coach would check, check me out of, uh, (laughs) check me out of high school. And we're going up there. I mean, I'm up there religiously at Georgia, man. When I'm a sophomore junior, I had one coach that was my lead generator, my linebackers coach at that time, Dickie May. And he connected me to one guy that was on the team, Des Williams, um, who ended up, we actually, it's crazy because we actually ended up wearing the same number. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't even, dang, that just occurred to me. <laughs> so he got me like a little, you know, backstage pass to get in there. And so everybody's looking at it like, who's this annoying little kid walking around? I'm nowhere on their radar. I'm 15 years old, 16 years old. And I'm just going up there, man, like just in awe, man. And then I'm coming back, you know, to my reality, which sucked at the time, and just going, cam, in the weight room, man. Mm-hmm field, man, you know, trying to get 15 tackles a game, trying to get 20 tackles a game. My junior year, had 198 tackles my junior year. Like, water boy, bro. Like, hitting everything, moving.
1: Everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. Water and uh, that's what got me to UGA. It was yeah. like, they, like, UGA, honestly, they weren't even trying to recruit me. Like, they yeah. were trying to recruit uh, a guy by the name of Caleb King. He was number one running back mm-hmm. in the nation at that time. And when we played them, everybody was there. All the schools and, like, Bust his ass first play, you know, just mm-hmm. it was. Where he
1: went, Caleb went to.
2: Yeah, Caleb was at Parkview. Our Parkview, school. right? Yeah. yeah, but it was like the situation where they were looking at somebody else, but I just showed up to the point where they're like, "Hey, we we got to give this dude a chance. We we got it. We can't pass up." That was your shot. Yeah, I made myself undeniable, and um, even though I didn't fit the mold, and even after they offered me, it was like a lot of people were like, "What? What are they doing?" Mm-hmm. Like, turned out know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, turned yeah. out, turn
0: out, okay. Your career at UGA, yeah. pretty legendary. Yeah. All-American junior year, led the SEC in tackles. I guess it turned out all right.
2: Yeah, like, like I said, man, it was just working in faith. My whole career was, was about coaches, teammates, was about uh, putting in the work in the dark, operating mm-hmm. in faith. Because What do you mean? When you say operating in faith, <clears> in what? Operating in faith meant, man, operating at the level of not my circumstances, but at the level of my vision. Mm-hmm. So long before I ever like got Alex, those- Say that again. That's yeah. a good one. So operating not at the level of my circumstances, but at the level of my vision. So long before I ever got, even this is in high school, every level I got to, it was like I had to operate in faith, meaning that like I had to believe and move, and and my behaviors and my effort had to be at the level- of where I wanted to be long before I ever got there. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about scout team, (laughs) everybody making fun of me. I'm 20 yards behind the starting team, just going through, not like coaches talk about getting mental reps. Like I'm getting physical reps, but I'm 20 yards behind the starting team by myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'll do stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did that in high school. I mean, it would be weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was like, God was testing me every time. Weeks and weeks and weeks, somebody get hurt. And then I will get out there, get my shot. And it's like, because I got those reps in faith, then I got that promotion. I was already ready. Georgia, same thing. Mm -hmm. Eight, I got there, didn't get redshirted. You know, wasn't playing. Scout team, second string. Everybody, you know, guys laughing. whatnot. My own teammates. Week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six. We're playing Tennessee. Third quarter, we're down by three touchdowns. Guy ahead of me, messes up on a play. He's supposed to have a running back, man to man. He blows a play. Running back scores. Coach calls from the us. Uh, you remember? Yeah, yeah. You, get, you pick up the phone on the, on the bench to the skybox. Coach that you're in. I'm ready. Because of what I did all those weeks. I in prepared. faith. Yeah. We're ready, man. Yeah, yeah. That's my whole career. Where's that come from? Man, it, it definitely comes from home, man. I, I came from a foundation of faith, man. And I just, like, truly believe that if I just dedicated myself, if I remove myself from outcomes— and just really focus on being a, a good steward. I believed in that. Like, God gave me this talent. I'm not going to waste it, one. And then, two, man, just telling myself, I'm going to just be the best version of myself. Mm. Regardless, if I, I don't care if I never— I remember having that conversation in my head. I don't care if I never play it down at UGA. But when I leave here, I'm going to know I did everything I could to get out there. And if nothing happens, I can look myself in the mirror. Same thing the, and When I got to the NFL, it didn't go great, man. I didn't have a long career, but— even when I was a free agent, waiting on a phone call for weeks and weeks and weeks, <laughs> same thing, man, I'm going to do something with this, with this platform. And that just became my identity, man. It's hard. It's hard when you get to I, it. I, we so. talked about it. Um, <laughs> Tyrell Adams
0: was on, a, I don't mm-hmm. know, first or second episode. Mm-hmm. He, he played for 14 teams in eight years. Right? I know yeah, man, and and it's I real. for me, I'm just talking about myself personally. I don't know if I'm mentally strong enough for people, and I know the circumstance that goes along. But basically, somebody's telling you you're not good enough mm-hmm. every time you switch teams, right? I mean, something's happening. I know there's yeah you know, uh, personnel decisions and stuff, but so the mental of piece of that yes. is hard. Yeah, it's hard to get told like, hey, yeah. this isn't
2: for you, or this isn't for us. Yeah, and then We're keep going, going a
1: different direction. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah. It, it, it's such a powerful lesson when I look back now, man, and it's given me so many nuggets. You know, I speak to companies and um, associations and work with entrepreneurs and different people, but, I mean, going through that time now, man, it just reminds me that you're not always going to be, be rewarded for what you work for, for what you're working for. Hmm. Yeah, and the reward is not always going to look like what you expect. Mm-hmm. So all that work I put in, man, as an athlete, being a free agent, staying dedicated, you know, uh, the delayed gratification. Now I'm being rewarded as an entrepreneur for my ability to get up every single day, not be rewarded, but still make the phone calls, still go to the events, still do the business meetings, still, you know, work on my strategy long before. Same mentality, man. I got that muscle memory. Hmm. And so whenever I get down as an entrepreneur, I'm reminding myself, and this is what I tell athletes all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, write down all the characteristics of what made you great as an athlete. Now, I want you to transfer that over to wherever you are now when you're going beyond the game because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. We So many of us forget that when we take the jersey off. Yeah. Yes. So I, I remind, man, when I was a free, man, I was relentless. I believed regardless of the circumstances. I was always looking to get better. I had a team of people around me. I mean, there's just so many things. And so, yeah, it, it's uh, something that I think about now that I'm so thankful I went through that, man. It's funny how those lessons come back around, right? Heck you, yeah! You don't
0: know what they are when they're happening. I mean, we were talking before just we in started. It. <laughs> you're yeah, just in it. but then you look back, you're like, huh. mm-hmm. I mean, for for we were talking before we started recording. I I had my first son when I was 21. You had your daughter when you were pretty oh, young. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, it's not easy. No, right? I was a senior in college. I was ill prepared yeah. i was ill prepared to be a father at that point yeah. but uh-huh. the lessons you learn yeah. makes you grow All up way. fast and now you look back and you're like i wouldn't do it any other way for sure i mean those are those are interesting things so so at uga mm-hmm. i mean you were stud i mean if you led the sec in tackles at any point in your career there's so many athletes <laughs> there it's, it's <laughs> insane yeah man but you you chose to come out early mm-hmm. What, what was that thought process? So, um, the NFL was there, but again, you're probably hearing the same messages, right? Oh, yeah. Same I mean, exact. Too short. Yep. You, you don't fit the stereotypical linebacker you know, oh, yeah. pro-
2: protocol. What what made that decision for you? Yeah, and that was part of my thought process, actually, because I was like, man, if I stay in my senior year, I'm not going to grow you know, any taller. <laughs> so, but you get bigger Tims? Yeah, I mean, I, maybe a new <laughs> pair of Tims would have came out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it really... Was not going to help me. Also, another major factor, he was coached by Todd Grantham. That was his -hmm. coordinator. I was not. And a lot of times when you have regime change, they come with their mentality. They want to establish their culture. Mm -hmm. They want to establish their system. So we ran a 4-3 at that time. They were going to switch to a 3-4. I never played in 3-4, and that would have been my senior year. So I'm thinking, man, my stock is probably as high as it's going to get. I maximize. You know, you, you're an investor, you know. When your stock is hot, man, you got to cash Trade. in. Yeah. You take gotta, the chips off the table. <laughs> take the chips off, yeah. So that was a, a major factor, man. And then my daughter, she was uh, about to turn two at that time. Family still struggling. You know, this is pre-NIO. So, you know, this is, yeah, I had some tough decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And if I would have had NIO, that would have completely changed things. But at this time, man, I'm taking, I'm doing reverse NIO, man. I'm,
0: <laughs> Hold on
2: I'm, now. Taking a student, <laughs> I'm taking that Pell Grant I'm splitting it in half and sending it to my family. Like, I'm taking out student loans. You know, like, it was real. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I had to make a business decision. And I remember, you know, making a pros and cons list because it was one of the toughest decisions in my life. You know, I'm team captain, have the opportunity to be the all-time leading tackler at Georgia if I come back my senior year. Like, there was a lot of things if I came back that would have been good for me. But... You know, looking at if I leave, the things I'll be able to do for my family, for my daughter. Um, that's what it really came down to, man. And when I showed that, I sat down with Coach Rick, had a, a meeting with him, and I showed him my pros and cons list. And he was like, hey, you know, he couldn't argue with it.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: uh, yeah, it, it was tough, though. Yeah. What, what were you projected? What, or what were guys telling you coming out? <laughs> yeah, I was Cause you, you came out 2010? 2010. 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was projected uh, second, third round. OK. Yeah. Second, third round, man. And, you know, it's, it's still like you never know where you're really going to go. It's so much chance and so much of it is timing. Mm-hmm. I'm coming out with guys who who look like linebackers. Relano McLean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this guy, uh, Relano McLean, Brandon Spikes, like all these guys, 6'3", mm-hmm. 250, you know, just out of this world, man, size and measurables and all that. And but so, putting up
1: the same numbers.
2: Yeah. Even putting better up better, numbers. better numbers, yeah. Better numbers in them. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I can do You're this, You're the man. Drew Brees of <laughs>
0: linebackers. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's crazy, man. I looked at, I remember looking at the rosters at that time to look at what teams I could potentially land with, right? Um, and when I looked across the league, I mean, out of all the linebackers, there were maybe four or five, if that, that were under six feet. Hmm. You know, and I, like, you got London Fletcher, mm-hmm. Ernie Sims, like, John Beeson, mm-hmm. and, like, Zach Thompson. You know, I don't even know if Zach Thomas was playing, but it was, like, four or five. And I'm just like, hey, same thing, going by faith, man, and just believing that my hard work, my effort is going to create some type of opportunity.
0: It did? Yeah. What, you, you got drafted third round?
2: Third round, man. What what's money like in third round in two thousand ten? So in two thousand ten, the signing bonus, uh, my, my uh I want to say it was like three four million. Signing bonus was like six hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Game changer. Or, yeah. I mean, oh, so I from thought perspective. Well, yeah. <laughs> from where you're coming from. Oh yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. From where I come from, without a doubt, it's a it's a game changer. But when you start to factor in. Taxes. I know y'all probably talked about. It. Yeah. Did
1: you Did you have an understanding of like nah. how money worked kind of at that time? Nah, bro. Going with you?
2: And that that's what I tell everybody is the biggest struggle, because even even if you have an understanding of money, if you never had five hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, yeah, there's just no way for you to understand like the longevity of five hundred thousand dollars, especially at twenty. Exactly. How old yeah. are you? I was 22, yeah, I was 21 going on 22, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's just no way, you know, like I said, unless your parents come for money, all those things, you don't know. What gets, guys, I'll tell you is, is like I said, they don't understand the longevity. So if I spend $5,000 a week, how long is $500,000 gonna last me? Not very long. Two yeah, years. exactly. Right. Nobody knows that. You don't know, your parents don't know that.
0: Did you? Did yeah. you
2: have any, your parents being immigrants, Grinders,
0: mm. was there any foundational knowledge at all? I mean, like, nah, what, most- what was the advice you were
2: getting from agent, your network, anything, or was it, were you just kind of in the dark? No, I was in the dark. You're in a new city. You're yeah. 22 years old. You're just but you trying went, you to got drafted out. by Tennessee, right? You're in Nashville. Yeah, you're in Nashville. So, you
1: got a little tax you, break.
2: You get, yeah, yeah. No,
1: state t- no state income
2: tax. <laughs> yeah, you get, you know, you have many conversations and whatnot. The toughest thing is, Everything is happening so fast. And, like, mm-hmm. you still, you just trying to learn the playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always talk about you, that a lot, right? Like, it's like, yeah. I'm just trying to play football. Like, right. Keep the
1: main thing, the main exactly. thing. Like, That's what
2: got you there. It wasn't yeah. financial literacy. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like knowing how I to run all through. All these tackles. Right. Knowing how to run through that B-gap and knowing it. how to get to your drops and knowing how to come down and make an open field tackle. That what got me there. Yeah. So now they're going to provide you with the, you know, a little bit of insight. You're going to go to the rookie symposium. You're going to have maybe a financial advisor that comes in and gives you an hour long workshop on finances. But I tell people, I give people this analogy all the time. If I told you I want you to get in the best shape of your life, and I worked you out for an hour, and that was it for the year, would you really take me that serious? Would you expect to be in? a You know, it's a, it doesn't work. Yeah, you check the box.
1: Check, yeah, the, check box, the box, man. check
2: the box. Yeah. Did you did you have an advisor at the draft? So nah, I didn't have an I have I didn't have an advisor until I got my first check. You know, which is July. So you get drafted April, or not. So by July is when I started getting the checks, I found my advisor through one of my teammates, one mm-hmm. of the veterans, which a lot of us we lean on the veterans, we watch how they move and how they uh, you know, do business and different things like that. So he says, Hey, I'm, you know, working with Joe Smoler, great. Oh, I'm listening to him. He been in the league 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our kicker at that time, uh, Rob Baronis. He. Uh, I remember Rob Baronis. Yeah, amazing guy, man. I can't believe he he passed away, but um, yeah, he he offered me, you know, just some advice. Cool dude, man. Seemed like somebody I could trust. So he referred me uh, his financial advisor, and that's who I went with, man. Yeah. What What was the first thing you bought? So first thing I bought was a car. Um, that's what everybody says. Yeah. What kind of car? Uh, I, I got that that new Challenger just came out. Ooh, yeah, that's what you had, didn't you? Yeah. Or oh, you had a Charger.
1: No, I had a Challenger.
2: I yeah, the three ninety two. I had that three ninety two. I didn't do the three ninety two. Now I had that. I one. I was on a budget. No, <laughs> but it it was uh, which is I mean, little things right like this are things you don't think about. So I was at that time. My first signing bonus was ninety thousand dollars. My first installment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'm I'm good, right? Like so, the Challenger comes out. I get the RT. I'm not doing anything crazy. It was 29. I think it was like 29 thousand. It's like a Toyota Camry. Yeah, exactly. Just I'm thinking in my flasher. head. This is, you yeah. know, I'm I'm very humble right now. Mm-hmm. Cause you, this is a battle now. You got to if I I can afford nothing in college. Like I said, Pell Grant and all that. You go from that reverse nil, <laughs> reverse nil. <bro. laughs> go from that to 90 grand. And I remember the day I came home from practice that. And open up my Bank of America account, and everything was in reds. And then ninety thousand mm-hmm. hit the. When you say, oh, You said a lot of debits. I see a lot of oh debits. man, straight and negative. Then,
1: it's just negative, negative.
2: What? <laughs> All right, reds, bro. And then ninety thousand, brother. I'm just like, who? Wow. And it's just like a high that hits you, but then you come back down from it, and you know, there's that realization that man, I'm still the same person. Like, dang, is this it? You know, um, so I, I did have that experience, man. But there became that battle where it's like, man, I done worked hard for this. I deserve this. So you want to spend some of it. You know, you worked your whole entire life for it. I heard a lot of no's. I heard a lot of short jokes. So, you know, so I, I want to spend that, some of that thing, man. Want to help the family. I was just tired of struggling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm humble. You know, I'm, I'm not spending a lot. Got my daughter, you know. Get some things for her, but yeah, it, it was it was definitely an experience, man. What did what did you, what were your how did you think about budget? Because again, you're 22, exactly,
0: right? Exactly. So how did you think about or did you think about mm-hmm. or did your financial advisor give you that guidance where it was like, look, I want you to live on X number of dollars a month. You talked about, hey, if I spent five grand a week, you know, right. that's 20 grand a month, that's 240 grand a year. Did you think about it that way at that point, or was it just I'm playing football. Because a, a lot of guys we've talked to have talked about, like, during the season, I got this. Right, 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 You know, I, I'm not worried about money. I put it in the bank. Yep. I'm grinding every day. A lot of the guys were, super, like you said, super humble, living in an apartment, like, not flashy mm-hmm. at all. And then they kind of picked their head
2: up, and they're like, okay, now yeah. what I'm going to do with it? How, how did you think about that? So, um, my whole idea and thinking was that, man— I'm gonna be humble no matter what. Like I, I'm not gonna go spend a ton of money. I'm like even with simple things, suits and like luggages. Some guys have the Louis bag and all mm-hmm. that. I'm just like man, I'm keeping my same Georgia starter kit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my <laughs> same Georgia backpack. And so I'm getting on the plane traveling. And guys are like, what are you doing, bro? Like, get you a loot? I'm like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm going to K and G's getting my suit off the rack. <laughs> you know, Alec, so you should have hooked him up with the have, custom suit guy. Have, yeah. yeah. So like I like I was very, very humble, but I didn't have a clear budget. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, at that time. And so my thinking was just like, I'm going to just stay on a certain amount. And then I'm also thinking because at that time when you're a third round draft, when you're anywhere from first to third round, you're like, oh, I'm gonna at least get two, three years. Mm-hmm. So if I just stay humble, if I get to, you know, second, third year, I'm, I'm a ball, I'm going to become a starter. Oh, I'm gonna get to that second contract. That's everybody's thinking, until it, it until it hits the fan. Yeah, so went through that first year, man. You know, we, we came out good, man. I did a lot of things to help my family, and this is something that not is not is talked about. But when you are the first,
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's a certain weight that comes with that. First, first like to what? First to make six Money. figures. First to get to mm-hmm. that level. It's like you're not the only one that is drafted. You're not the only one that wins. Your family, your church, you know, everybody that cleans your diapers, like, that tax that comes with, mm-hmm. with uh, making it and being, like, one of the first is real. Is that is that a cultural
0: thing? Is that a black-white thing? Mm-hmm. I've heard people say, like, the black tax of, like, who comes with you. Because culturally, like, I come from, my parents were blue-collar people. You know, mm-hmm. like, we, we we're strong middle class, but not upper-middle class. My dad, you know, yeah, we didn't. That's so a, but like, as I made money, no one was ever
2: like, right? you know, like, is that? It's a, it's a cultural thing, but there is a systematic reason, you know, there's, that's generational, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many things, especially, especially in America, like, I mean, that have happened over the years that have from real estate, you know, redlining, all those things. We, and yeah. we not, we don't got to go, uh, go down that yeah, rabbit that's be, hole. That's a different podcast. Exactly. Yeah. That's a whole different. Yeah. But that, that is real. Like, um, did you, did you did you have that
1: too, Alex? Like with you? Oh yeah, everybody made it. Everybody, everybody, bro. everybody makes it when you make it. Yeah, I mean it's just it's, like you said, it just kind of come with the the nature of the business, especially where like where you come from and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's like, and you got people that you yeah. probably they they might you might have seen them maybe one time, right? But they gonna come to you and talking to you as yep. like y'all like first cousins. Yeah, it,
2: it's generational, yeah, yeah. man. So I, would I would say kinda, that because mm-hmm. even let's take my my parents. Like I said, when they came to America, that was them being the first, them coming up, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody, just think about their whole entire family is looking at them like, oh, y'all made it to America. So Mm -hmm. my NFL was, you know, or yeah, the NFL for them was making it to to America. Mm -hmm. My mom getting a scholarship. And so what happened when the war broke out? Oh, they spending, bankroll, helping everybody come over. Mm -hmm. Right? And, you know, it's it's just kind of what comes with it. It's a generational thing. My grandfather, same thing. Hmm. He, my great grandfather was a chief of a village, and my grandfather was the first one to be educated. Was the first one to get out of that system. So he helped all his brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like It's just, it's, it's deep, man. Um, and same thing with my grandmother. Pressure my dad's side. for a twenty-two year old kid, though. It, oh man, it is. It is, but you understand, man, that you didn't get there by yourself. Yeah, yeah fair. Like during that time, I came out, of my church was almost in bankrupt, almost bankrupt. So I wrote a $30,000 check, bro. And I, I'm like, dang, what if I took in that $30,000, invested in real estate that created. You don't you know, want to know the answer. Yeah. It's like especially, I'm trying to help in like exactly. 2010. But you got it, you know? And so it's like you can't be the one who has hundred thousand, two hundred thousand and you've got everybody around you struggling and you're like, hey y'all, good luck. Like, sorry, I gotta save my money. Mm-hmm. And these are the people who have been with you from when you were five, 10 years old. You know, so that it's a lot of pressure, man. It, it really, really is. And it's so hard to navigate it at that age. Everybody has hindsight. You know, hindsight's always 20, 20. Yeah. Everybody has all the answers. Yeah. when you're it's when you 21, 22 years old. In the big hood. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I mean, even like people don't think about the psychological changes that happen because you're coming out of a situation. You were just in college calling everybody, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, ma'am, no ma'am. That's what now do you're do. the CEO. Now it's a battle even calling this person by their first name. yeah Just little, you know? So you're trying to battle that dynamic. And, even, and that's the struggle because now you have an agent that works for you. Mm-hmm. But this person is 45, 50 years old. And so I'm not about to call him by his first, that's a battle in itself. just psychologically getting yourself to to understand that this person works for me. I don't work for them. Mm -hmm. Ronnie,
0: Ronnie talks about it. Ronnie Brown was on um, the the podcast and he talks about being the CEO of you. Yeah, you really are in the transition from Mm -hmm. I'm a college kid to figuring out CEO of you. And for him, he talked about it like 25, 26, Mm -hmm. a a little bit further along in the career, right? You're talking about it. Year one. Yeah. Everybody's coming to you.
1: Yeah. How many? And most of the time it happens that year one where like yeah. all that stuff kind of comes with it. Like
3: because yeah, as soon as the they hear you shot.
1: make it to the NFL, everybody yeah. really assumes that you just a millionaire and yeah. you got right. like you said, like they think you just financially right. smart with whatever you're doing. Yeah. And you know, one thing for me, what I kind of learned about was like you can't, you can't solve everybody's problems. Exactly. Yeah, like,
3: like you, you can't be the same. You, like you just yeah. it's
1: it, you'll, you'll run yourself into the ground like mm-hmm. trying to do that and so you know a big thing that like you say you try to tell young guys and stuff like that is like hey man like I understand you want to help people but it's ways to go about doing that right like, every every time it's not good to just keep writing that check every time because when that hard, money stopped man. coming in yeah. from the yeah. NFL and all that then what yep. you know what I'm saying people <laughs> like Oh, I need you like man I ain't getting I'm not making no yeah. money like how did you how did you learn to say no
2: it's still hard for me it's hard it's still hard it's a like, it's when I look at it like is it's not a it's not an athlete thing man this yeah. is a human thing yeah you got CEOs you got some you know so many people who same thing it's hard for them to say no and they their company goes bankrupt and then it's it's you not know. hard for me to say no I say no yeah <laughs> <for them.
3: laughs>
2: Total I mean, degree. but you see it happen a, a lot where you have companies that are thriving and then five years, you know, they they don't innovate. They, yeah. you know... Yeah, yeah, you got to evolve. Industry changes, things But it's like, different yeah. when it's cousins, family members... Right. Connections that... You gotta have play
1: been. on your, your, yeah. your heartstrings and stuff and all that stuff like that. And so... Yeah. Yeah, I know. I still, like, yeah. working through that process. Of process. Being, being able to say no without necessarily feeling like terrible about saying no. Like that's kind of the my biggest thing was me saying no. Now I feel like I'm like the bad guy. So right. it's like, no man, I just I can't do it because mm-hmm. one, it doesn't align with what I'm trying to do, what I have going on. And two, like, I have a family, I got responsibility. I got all this like I can't yeah. solve your problem like by just writing a check. Like, because yeah. two weeks later you're gonna be calling back, oh, mm-hmm. can I get I need I need some more money. I need this, that, and other. So it's kinda that that thing of of uh, you know battling through that, but you know I know a lot of guys that battle through that, and the, mm-hmm. the more you can say no, uh, yeah. and not feel as bad about it, you know I think it's the, it helps you out in the long run, gives you that peace. Like you just kind of yeah. everybody want that peace, they want their time. Like it causes, man, I mean causes arguments and stuff within like your home and yeah. stuff like that yeah. too. You know, so.
2: the hard, I'll add to that, man. The hardest thing about making that transition into the league is the fact that you still see yourself as the same person, but mm-hmm. the way that everybody perceives you changes. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard thing. How talks about it, he's like, I'm still me. Yeah, you're still <laughs> you. You're still trying to figure out your life. Your brain's not even fully developed, but yeah. everybody sees you completely differently. And it's the added weight of the fact that Everybody or not, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people feel entitled to live the, the life that you have Yeah, hmm. on the same level, man. And it's like, it's a real entitlement. Like, oh, yeah. everybody getting this. So why can't I get it? I'm talking about, you know, and the, the worst is the people who are closest to you. You know, um, it, it's very, very hard. And it's not even just the money. It's like access. Mm-hmm. So. You're playing in the game. How many times you had this happen? You had a family member that ain't never come to one of your Little League games, high school games. They game. were free. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and now they want, now they expect tickets. They don't just want, they expect tickets and not just one. They want to bring their homeboy. They want to bring, you know, this person they know to impress this person. And them it's, tickets it's,
1: not free in the league. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not, not free.
2: Not for you. No. They're not. Yeah. They're not free. They, they want access. Free. They want, and this was one of the craziest things. So I had friends that would reach out Oh, Rennie, I'm so happy for you, man. We got to meet up for lunch. We got to meet up for breakfast. I show up. Oh, Rennie, this is my friend Tom. He's a financial advisor. Oh, Rennie, this is my friend Jackie. She sells insurance every time. That's mm. yeah. hard.
1: Plotting, <laughs> plotting. How many times that you? Happened to you? Plotting, boy, plotting. Yeah. Plotin'. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no, <laughs> no coincidence that they just showed up. Right. Like, no. Nah, man. So have so, scheming the whole time. It's real. Ugh,
0: nah. it's hard 22 years old it sounds like yeah. you're taking all the fun of being a professional athlete right out of the game <laughs> no oh, I mean, it was
2: fun we, we you <laughs> know we gotta be real it it definitely had it's perks, yeah. man the, the amount For of sure. experiences man you get that the average person would never ever dream of I mean it it definitely makes it worth it like just I, I remember being on the field with you know Peyton Manning um, James Harrison dude looked like a Mac Truck, like, mm-hmm. he's a scary, scary oh, man. Oh, scary man. Now, he's scary. Like, you see him on Instagram oh, yeah. stuff, he is a scary man. Going uh, bench pressing 500 on incline, <laughs> um, going to the Super Bowl. Wait, I mean, just, just a quick James Harrison story. Did you ever see the video
0: where his kid gets the participation trophy? <laughs> I think I did. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, his kid's six, five yeah. times. Mm. And there's a video of, they're coming out of, like, the banquet, the year-end banquet, where his kids play football. Or five football, I think, and like he gets like a participation trophy, mm. and Harrison like holds up his phone and he's like, "Yeah, nope. we ain't and, doing like, this." Smashes it on the ground. You can see his kid behind him being like, <laughs> "But if my dad wow. was James Harrison, I know, yeah." And he smashes the trophy. And I'm like, okay, whatever All you right. think, Dad. That's Sounds crazy. Sorry, I don't mean it. No, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're almost like a fanboy on the field, right? I
2: mean, yeah, I would be. You're like that's Peyton Manning. Right. I mean, people only played within Madden. I mean yeah, it, That's right. It was crazy. It was really, really crazy. And then what was your Madden score, Alec? I
1: don't know. You don't know?
0: <laughs> what was yours, Remy, when you were in? It wasn't uh, that great. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Really? It.
1: Overall, though? It, no? it was it piss it's never me never that good your first yeah, year. Like,
2: yeah, it's never that good your, your first couple of years. But they just
1: pick me. I'm like, what yeah. fucking film are you watching? <laughs> What are you looking at? Yeah, Sorry, man. we're going off in the rat
2: me. hole. Nah, it's all good. All right, it's so all first
0: year, you said you came out first year pretty good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of hands out trying yeah. to
3: figure
2: out your path. You go back second year. This is still Tennessee. Yeah. All right. So I go back second year. This is you, when. Did you play games first year? Yeah. Okay. Play a little bit of special teams. And um, once again, high side is 2020. So I played in nine games my rookie season. At this time, if you play in more than eight games, you lose your ability to be on practice squad. Mm-hmm. This. What do you mean the next year? Yeah, the rest of your career. The rest at of this your time. career. What? Yep. Th- they recently
1: just changed this whole they recently practice just squad changed thing. It. it used to be you like you play you, eight yeah.
0: games the next year, whatever. You fall you off, they bring in a stud. Whatever. You can't play practice squad. Practice squad was practice only squad. for
2: like rookies and stuff. Yeah, only for rookies at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is why this mattered because the second year, lockout happens. So, right, we don't- 2011, 12. Yeah, right? 2011, 12. So, we're locked out all the way until it's time for training camp, basically. You know, usually do OTAs, all that. So, not only that, but our coaching staff gets fired. So, we got a new staff. Wait, who was there then? Jeff Fisher. When you were- he was the new guy he brought in, or that's when he got canned? Um, he got canned. He okay. Got canned. That's, that's right. when Jeff- He came uh,
1: to St. Louis. That's yeah. what yeah. me. Yep. that's right. hey, That's hey, crazy. Hey, Dang. Hey, yeah. Little
2: Jeff. Yeah, great Love guy, Jeff. man. Love so Jeff. he was the longest tenure coach mm-hmm. when he drafted me. Gets cut. Everybody, you know, gets replaced that next year. Bring in Mike Munchek. First thing he says, we want a bigger front seven. That meant not me. Mm-hmm. And so they draft two new linebackers, you know, uh, bring in a, a whole new system, and whatnot. Led the team in tackles during the preseason, during training camp. Still got cut. And so one of the toughest moments in my life because I'm like, I, when I got the call, I was literally thinking like, man, I, okay, he about to tell me, you know, good job. The day before, I'm in, a, in there with linebacker's coach and he's like, hey, great great play right here, man. Like, we going through the You got final. cut?
0: You led the team in tackles?
2: Yes. Look it up. The article's still there. <laughs> got cut, man. From the numbers. Yeah,
1: from the numbers.
2: <laughs> the, tape, you know? the tape says,
1: okay, you can play. Yep. The tape says you can play.
2: Then I'm back home, man. Not for long, but yeah, go back home, man. I'm training week in, week out, six, seven, eight weeks, man. Months pass. What? Yeah, I get, I get. Uh, wait, 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 huh.
0: wait. You lead the SEC in yeah. tackles. Mm-hmm. You, you have a, a, a what? Assume a, a decent year, rookie year. You play nine games. You're doing something, right? Yeah. You lead the preseason in tackles, and nobody calls.
2: So this is what happened. That point, right? Yeah, so this is what happened. So I get a call. First call is from the Carolina Panthers. This one, uh, Thomas Davis, he's one of my mentors. He mm-hmm. tore his ACL. They called me, came in to work out for him with three other guys. I performed the best, but they're like, Rennie, we'd love to sign you, but you don't have practice quality ability. <sighs> yeah. Next, next team call, Chicago Bears. Go out there. Work out. Great workout. And they're like, we want to sign you, but you don't have practice squad ability. So just for yep. naive
0: people like me, the idea is we bring you into the practice squad, and then when we're ready your guy gets hurt, exactly.
2: they, they can pull you up yep. mm-hmm. into the but active it's, roster. It's about numbers and money. So if they sign me, they have to put me directly active on the roster. active roster. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they might not have a spot for you yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm still a rookie because I'm only in my second year. Mm-hmm. Bitch. Yeah, so just, I mean, a lot of the league is just about timing and about, you know, luck. I say it's like Your it's whole certain. career can go one. And honestly, man, I'm so thankful that that happened because I got an accelerated start for my transition. Mm-hmm. So during this time, when I'm training four hours a day, when I'm going and hearing no, I'm also working on myself. So I start, I was, I remember I, I went to a career transition program. The youngest guy in the room, I'm 20, 22, 23 years old. Guys, you guys are saying, they're like, what are you transitioning from? Yeah. You just started. I'm, I mean, I'm the young, there's guys who are as old as I am now. I'm about to turn 30, 35 next Friday. There's guys that, that old who played 10 years, 15 mm-hmm. years, have money. And I'm looking across the room, and these guys are all lost. Like, a lot of them are still lost. Mm-hmm. And so it was like almost foreshadowing me, letting me know that, hey, just because you get, have a long career, you're not safe. Nope. You not it don't mean you don't need to know your purpose. And so I, after that experience, I got like with a they had us get with a career coach who had us do like assessments. This is and, through the NFL. Yeah, this is through the NFL. Yeah, it was at Georgia Tech. So they this is where I first started learning about like personal development and um, understanding like you know just yourself and purpose and all those things. So I started uh, I got I, at that program I met with the career coach that had me do a strengths finder test and all those different things. That was kind of the foundation. But I I started reading tons of books on leadership and mindset and uh, started meeting with business leaders. I started doing like self assessments on my, like a SWOT analysis on myself. What skills do I have? How can I offer value to the marketplace? Started doing public speaking. I built my, I would stay up two o'clock in the morning trying on Wix, trying to figure out how to build my own website. Like just going hell, started writing my first book because I told myself, man, I'm not gonna let anybody control my destiny. Like, I don't care if they call but me again. you're still trying to play at this point. Oh yeah, nah, don't get me wrong, I'm training, but I'm like, whether they call me back or not, I'm gonna make sure that I do something with this time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started writing the, the book I have out now, Free Agent. I started writing that book, man, and it was really about- Go get that. Yeah, how we all <laughs> find ourselves in that time of uncertainty and time of transition. So I related it to anybody in life, how if you lose your business, like my dad, or if you go through divorce, you know, you lose that person that has always been a part of you, you you know, lose your job. How You're basically a free agent. So how do you find yourself during this time? And so that's really what, what was the foundation for everything I am now. Mm. Yeah.
1: Great transition there, too. I mean, yeah. as you said, that's why we're here, Beyond the Game, is like, mm-hmm. go through that, you go through the season, yeah. you leave Tennessee, they or well, they fire Coach Fish and yeah. all that stuff, and next coach come in they clean house as yep. what they do all the time and you know as you say you start working on yourself mm-hmm. a lot of guys don't even know how to do that because as you said yep. they so consumed with with playing yep. the game of football which is fine like i get it you got to grind mm-hmm. and all that stuff but at the same time you have ample opportunity to work on yourself Heck yeah. right you got plenty of opportunity to work on yourself and find out who you are Beyond this game, right. because at the end of the day, we all got an end date of playing that f- playing sports like yeah. it's just it's just a, that's just what it is like there's no no avoiding that, I don't mm-hmm. care what you do from the greatest to the to the worst player, like at some point you're gonna stop playing that's and it. you're gonna have to understand who you are outside of this game, yeah, like you see a lot of people struggle with their identity. I remember asking myself one mm-hmm. year like
2: I remember am about four I'm or like,
1: five years ago I was like, who am I like right?" If I don't play football no more, like, I'll ask, I'll ask my wife, my brother, all this stuff like this. You know, they, they encourage you and stuff, but within yourself, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of something that you got to look at yourself and be like, man, yeah. you know what? I I understand that I play football, but it's I'm much bigger than football. Like, yeah. it's something that I can do much bigger than football. This is going to last a short period of time, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and understanding, when you say you start working on yourself, pursuing those – then you start finding out stuff that you about oh, to sell yeah. that. You you're like, oh, I can really I do actually this. She like this. Yeah, right. like this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so now discovery. and so now you you okay, you did all that transition. Like you said, you start working on the website and all yeah. that stuff, and you're a keynote speaker now, right? Wait, mm-hmm. don't
2: don't miss the CFL. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He
1: had that experience as well, yeah. going over oh, going yeah. overseas. But not
2: nah, get sure. get this. So I end up getting picked up again eventually that um, year. That same, the 2000, 2012. So I trained that whole from September. And at this to, point, wait, just help me out You're not getting paid. No. No. The check stopped. That contract I signed, that, gone. That's, <laughs> that thing gone. it. Yeah, that thing null and like they say. Just read. Just said oh, yeah. The bank yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got everything, gone. man. Still got all the bills. but So I'm training, man, and get picked up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. January 4th, 2012. I'm like, hey, mom, we back in there. Listen, you know, strike up the band. It's all good. Um, I get out there, man, and to Tampa. I'm training. They got a new coaching staff, Greg Schiano, mm. and his staff. And I'm excited because I'm like, I'm going to get out here early. So I get out Tampa, get an apartment, get set up. It's five minutes away from, from uh facility. Training, man. OTAs come. I'm starting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. NFL draft comes. Guess who they draft?
1: Dave. Levante Davis.
2: Levante Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Levante Davis, second round. Yeah. I'm like, damn. So we I'm still starting now. Get two weeks into uh, you know, uh rookie, it was either rookie minicamp or veteran minicamp, like this, probably like the second, third practice. Coach is like, hey, we're gonna let Levante take the reps today. Go from uh, starting third string, make it to the last cuts, back to ground zero. Cut again. Mm. Yep. Now, you know, now and I'm still not getting paid. So now it's September of 2012. That signing bonus is gone. Oh, that's gone. It, or it's dwindling. Yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah. We're working on reverse NIL. Yeah, now we back there, yeah. And so now I'm like, okay, it's not panic mode, but I got to figure something out. So now I go back to UGA, you know, start taking classes back because I left early. And so now I'm I'm the old man on campus. Like, Rini, I used to watch you when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> Humbling, you know my book. I'm still working on my book. Still building my brand. Now I'm, my book is almost done. I'm going to Starbucks. I'm going to Waffle House. I meet with business leaders. I'm doing things on the side like just going in as a, you know, liaison, kind of leveraging my brand, my Georgia brand, uh, sitting on business meetings. Well, and how's that? Wait, how's that work? So you you just call? Who you talk? Who's getting you through the door at at Starbucks? Oh, no, no. I'm talking about to write my book. That's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the
0: guy with the coffee in the back typing. Yeah,
2: book. typing okay. up the book, man. But, um, you know, at this time, I'm just trying to figure out my my personal brand. So, I'm, I'm Wait, working with companies. you think you're done with football? Oh, no, no, no. This whole time, I'm like, I'm going to eventually get back in. I still have the so belief. you're taking classes. Yeah, but I'm also working on myself. So, it's football. I'm training. I'm training at University of Georgia, you know. I'm, and you still got a daughter. Yeah, still a father. Yeah. Still yeah, got responsibility. Still got to pay child support. Yeah. <laughs> man, so... Go through that, man. And then by, I would say, January of 2013, I started getting a call from this guy in Canada. And he's like, hey, man, you need to be on the field. Like, you need to play. We can get you up here. You can get you some film. You can get back to the NFL. And first, I'm like, man, I ain't trying to go up to Canada. Like, what do I know about Canada? (laughs) You know, and uh, I I had a buddy, Stevie Bags. He played in Canada. So I knew a few guys that played up there. But really didn't know anything about it. Do do guys come back from CFL to the NFL? Does it happen? Like yeah, no, it happens. yeah. They really out in my head. I'm thinking I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna go up here, get my film. Did it before. Act on faith. Yeah, gotta act on faith. So get up there after. Uh, and it, by this time, my book is out. So I'm now starting to speak. Starting to get paid a little bit for it. So I get up there, Wait, man. just mechanics. Like, where are you
0: living? You're paying rent.
2: I mean, what? So I'm living at, I'm in Athens. I'm back and forth between Athens and my parents' house. Okay. Yeah, so this you're, time. So you're back to ground zero. Back to ground zero, you bro. You still got the challenger? I still got the challenger, yeah. All so right. I at least got that, you know. <laughs> so and I, I had a good savings during this time. So, you know, I didn't go crazy. So I still got a little bit of a nest egg. But it's still like, I got to figure it. Like I said, and then I had my second career savings, little things like that. But my main thing is, like, I got to get back on the field. I got to keep this money coming in. I got to stay relevant. So you get called to go to the Edmonton Eskimos. Edmonton Eskimos. Did you know yeah. where Edmonton was? Had no
0: idea, man. So I grew up playing hockey. Yeah. When I was a kid, the Edmonton Oilers, were. that was when Gretzky was there. Uh-huh. So they won three or four Stanley Cups. Those all-time greats, right? right their their right. team were legendary. But Edmonton is out in the
2: Oh, it was out there. It was Western out there. Alberta is far, far away. Yeah, and I'm like, it's like Twilight Zone, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing. My cell phone don't work, you know. <laughs> um, and it it was, like, honestly, one of the best experiences of my life. Hmm. I got up there, and I quickly realized that there were a lot of guys like me. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of guys who were really great players who, like, should be in the league. I mean, one of the guys, Darius Bowman, he played with Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. just as good, if not better, than Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. Just decided that I'm not going to deal with the politics in the NFL. I'm just going to make my career in the NFL. Can you make money? I mean, in the CFL. Yeah. I mean, you can get up to, at that time, you could get up to six figures. I mean, 180, 200 Canadian, which yeah. you translate that, you know. that's better than zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the work days are shorter. So you get up, you practice at 8 a.m. You're done by one. So you have that aspect of being able to develop yourself off the field, mm-hmm. things like that. It's less wear and tear on your body, three downs instead of four. So oh, that's right too. Yeah. So it was the same thing. I got CFL they get the running head start, right? Yeah, the, exactly. The wide receiver start rules. in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. So I got up there, man, and it was literally the same thing that I mentioned my whole entire career, where I had to wait until that opportunity came. Same thing. So in Canada they have the Canadian rule or the ratio rules, what they call it. So that it basically doesn't turn into a NFL Farm League. So you right. have to have a certain amount of Canadian players on the team and on the field at all times. Do Canadian people play football? <laughs> they do. They do. Don't, don't, uh, don't sleep on it. They, everybody plays hockey? Yeah. So mm-hmm. even if you could, you're better than, you know, half the linebackers out there, if they're Canadian, there's gonna be three spots reserved, you know, two spots reserved for just them. So you're really competing with the you know five American linebackers to get mm-hmm. those two spots, mm-hmm. yeah. So it it was extremely tough, just not trying not to get caught up in those kind of variables and those numbers and the politics and whatnot, and just stay focused and wait for my opportunity to come. And you got it, yeah. You played a couple of years up there, right? Yeah, got it. and then somewhere else. Got it. Uh, played up there two years, man. Had a great experience up there, and it was cool just getting to see all in Montreal and you know, Toronto and all those places, man. Came back after two years, tried out for a couple more teams. I actually tried out for the Falcons. And guess Mm -hmm. what? They said, hey, Rennie, um, great job, but we're going to go with the taller guy. That's literally what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, I could could not get away from that, man. Like my whole career. I remember talking to Detroit Lions GM at that time. And he's like, man, I sent him my film. I mean, I'm swole. I'm, I'm like most elite version of myself. And this man was like, oh, "I just don't think you fit the mold of what we're looking for." I'm like, "Bro, at this point, I'm fed up. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like at the point where I'm about to cuss this GM." I'm like, "Do you want somebody I can play, or you want somebody that looks good in a uniform? Mm-hmm. What the hell do you want?" But say, so, yeah." But
0: <laughs> nobody gets fired. We, my dad worked for IBM. He used mm-hmm. to say, "Nobody gets fired for buying IBM, right?" Yeah. So when you take a risk, right. If you're the GM and you take a risk on a ready, exactly. Running, they're going to be like, "Well, of course it didn't work exactly. out." Exactly. Look, look at him. Okay. Yeah. Right, He doesn't fit the linebacker mold. Yep. That's on you, Mr. Yeah. GM. The GM who takes exactly. the Alec Ogletree right 64 250. Safe. Yeah.
1: Eh, look, safe pick. Right. Safe pick. Yep. I mean, it I look good cuz it just fit the mold. But. Exactly. Yeah, that,
0: that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to overcome. Oh man, yeah. All right, so so
2: when did you know football was done for you? Yeah, man. So it was after I came back from uh Playing with the BC Lions, this is now 2015. Now, like my, my speaking brand is really starting to pick up. I'm mm-hmm. actually starting to get paid for this thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do, I got certified as a uh, leadership and business coach. So I'm starting to meet different people in the industry in the leadership and personal development space. John Gordon was one I met um, randomly th- through uh, Twitter. Another guy I met, Michael Ross, he, he was a guy who was a business coach. So they both, like, kind of took me under their wings, kind of showed me their Mm -hmm. systems. Uh, Michael Ross's company, HPK, Leadership and High Performance, (laughs) uh, is where I got certified as a leadership and business coach. And he actually set me up with uh, business owners to coach them. And so now I'm starting to understand and I'm starting to go to different companies, kind of walk around, do externships and see how their systems work. And I'm starting to make the connection between, like, playing linebacker, being on the team and, Mm -hmm. like, businesses and how they operate, like, Mm -hmm sitting with the sales team, being like, okay, that's kind of like offense. Marketing team, okay, this kind of like defense. And then, you know, looking at the the operations and and I'm being like, okay, that's kind of like special teams. Mm. Making those connections and just slowly starting to understand how those things work and how I can add value. And so by 2016, <clears throat> still still training. And uh, the Spring League comes up, you know, and I'm like, okay. What's this, Spring League? Spring League was basically kind of like how you got the XFL and Okay. Mm-hmm. These different developmental leagues. So mm-hmm. get the get the piece of mail from them, man, saying, hey, come out. It's in West Virginia. This a ch- uh, chance to showcase yourself. Oh, I if, know the end of the story. I don't want to oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah. That's when your knee destroys. Yeah, man. So go out there. And on my drive, it was a six hour drive. And on my drive up there, I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, man, show me. If you want me to play, let me know. If you don't want me to play, let me know. <laughs> So, <laughs> and I always tell people now, I'm like, you got to be, careful,
1: be with care, <laughs>
2: careful what you pray for. You pray that prayer clarity, he will answer. Yeah. And so, first day we get out there, we get all our pads, we get our, our playbook, we meet the coaches. I mean, I'm feeling great. You know, I put whatever on the bar, squat it. I'm like, yeah, this is game time, man. I'm, I'm ready to get back in, show everybody what I'm made up. Second day, we go through walkthroughs and everything. Um, third day, we get out on the field. It's our first competition day. We're all lined up doing one-on-one drills. Guy walks out, first rep of the day. Guy walks out on the offensive side, Ben, uh, ben Tate played running back at Auburn. Mm. I played against Ben Tate. Mm-hmm. So me, I'm like, oh man, I got this dude, let's go. So I walk up, man, cover Ben Tate one-on-one. I run up to cover him, boom.
1: Run into each other.
2: It was like in the movie where you you know it goes in slow motion and all that, yeah, I just started falling backwards in slow motion, it was like, in slow motion, and then I tried to get up real quick, because I was like, man, this dude just, like, run me over, like, we're not wearing pads, so, tried to get up real quick, and then felt that pain in my knee, man, and I just, like, collapsed, <laughs> and then, yeah, and, like, as soon as I hobbled from the field to, like, the training room, it was maybe, like, 20 yards away, like, by the time I got there, like, my whole knee was, like, bigger than my thigh, man, and that's when I was like, all right, guy, like, yeah. Thanks, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I hear you. I
1: hear you loud and clear. I hear you. Yeah. I and I,
2: you. it was crazy because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crying. I wasn't devastated. Like, I had peace. Yeah. Yeah. I had peace, man, just because I knew, like, I literally left everything on the field. Mm-hmm. I did everything. That was I a promise you made to yourself. Yeah. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't lift harder. I can work, you know, anything, man. And so, like at that time, I was like, "All right, it's go time." So I drove back to Athens, man, and my—I didn't even know. Thigh. Yeah, I didn't even know what the injury was. Like I'm walking on it, bro, and I'm just like collapsing as I'm walking. I I got in the car the next day, just left. I didn't even tell anybody. I just left. drove back to Athens. You know, that six hours met with Ron Corson, the legend, and um. They did all the scans and whatnot. They say, Rennie, sorry to tell you, man, but you completely torn your Patel tenant. So two days later, I'm in the hospital, man. I wake up, got a freaking straight leg, brace on, got a zipper down my knee. Uh, that was hard to see, man. Where, Where's like health insurance and stuff coming from? Sorry. But they cut you off. So but who's who's paying for your surgery? They you? they wrote it off. They oh. wrote it off. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, because I don't even know what the that thing would have been. No, not the Spring League, Georgia. Oh, Georgia yeah. gave you a freebie. Yeah, they gave me a freebie, man. And it was crazy. Did you ever think were... about if the guy yeah. who's doing the surgery knew it was going to be free? Oh, yeah, he <laughs> knew. Like, they all knew. <laughs> eh, maybe I'll just— <laughs> They knew. It, it was a write-off for them, I guess, or something like that. But I'm just glad—and I talk about this all the time with athletes. I'm like, you better be very careful how you treat people when you're in position of mm-hmm. success. Because you don't know when you're going to need those mm-hmm. same people. Mm-hmm. If I was an asshole, man, and I came back there in that moment— they were going to send me that bill. I got no doubt. <laughs> and it was going to be a hefty bill. But they took care of me, man. And, you know, I woke up, like I said, two days later. I'm in surgery. After surgery, man, it's like I went from elite athlete to, like, my mom had to bathe me, bro. Like, that just was humbling. That was hard. But, like I said, I had that peace. That you knew what was next. Yeah. You so, already
1: been working on yourself. You've yeah, been already been. Games. I already had
2: the foundation. Yeah. I wasn't like, dang, what the hell? I can't imagine if I was now trying to ask that question and doing all that work that I did at 22. I'm Mm -hmm. now 29, 30. Yep. Yeah, and so- You already planted those seeds. Yep, already planted the seeds, man. And this is why I talk to athletes. I'm super passionate about this. When I talk about athletes, talk to athletes, I'm like, you gotta start the transition before the transition. Mm -hmm. So literally three days after, it was like two to three days after I'm in the hospital, I have a speaking engagement. I'm in the middle school on crutches, bawling my eyes out, man, talking to those kids, man. And that's where it all started, man. That's where I was full-time now, full-time entrepreneur. And so I got me an apartment in Shambly, and I just picked up the scraps and kept moving, man. And now I'm thinking about, okay, I need to apply these same the same mentality. You know, I can pick up the phone, all the seeds that I planted, now it's time for the harvest to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we talk, I talk about that with my kids. It's like what you're doing today is mm. for three
0: year you, man. Yeah, and it's hard for people to see to down, see the, down road. the road. Yeah, it's it's
1: um like it ain't happening fast enough for me. Yeah, right. Want <laughs> right. that something right. fast, fast pace. There was man. an
0: analogy somebody gave me that I really loved. Is like life is like driving on a foggy road. Right, you can see only the five feet in front of you. Yeah, right. And you drive a little further, and you've exposed more of the road, mm-hmm. and eventually. You get to the end of the road you've you've gone on a pretty incredible trip but you never know what's down around the corner you just yeah. keep going forward that next four or five feet yep. you know you light up the rest of the way just keep moving forward Definitely. um and alec to your point it's hard for people to be like i'm doing this for them yeah mm-hmm. especially you guys at, at from an athletic standpoint like you said you guys are elite of the elite yeah you've always been that way mm-hmm. and now you're thinking to yourself how, how the mentality that has gotten you there is mm-hmm. probably what prohibits you yeah from oh thinking yeah. about like, well maybe I can't do this anymore. It's like, yeah. of course I can. I'm I'm a first round draft pick. I'm an all American from I led the tackle in tackle. Like that's mm-hmm. a hard mental shift to go through. Extremely especially hard. as a kid. I mean you're still a kid twenty five, twenty six, twenty six yeah yeah. All right. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you I, I already know the answer. Did you make enough money to never work again? Heck no. (laughs) Heck no. It wasn't Uh, like you were coming out saying, I'm good. I'm good for four or five years. I'm just going to take it easy. It was right back to the grind.
2: It was right back to the grind. And, uh, you know, like I said, because I established that foundation, I didn't have to go into panic mode, you know. And I did did, uh, have to get that help, man. Of course, being in school, uh, having to get an apartment, still having child support, still having different things. So that was a big, big... uh, factor, man, was like making sure that I wasn't bleeding out too fast Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the money I made in Canada, boy, when you uh, (laughs) transfer that thing to Canadian to U.S., oh, you you get hit. And then taxes, you get hit again. So it it was extremely tough. Were you paying taxes
1: there and here?
2: Yeah. You Mm got to pay taxes, man, um, on both Mm -hmm. sides. So that was extremely, extremely tough. But what bought me time was the ability, was the fact that I had my personal brand and I could like monetize that brand. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of us don't understand as athletes is like, you got so many people you come across, fans and, and these aren't just fans. I stopped saying fans after a certain point, because I realized these are CEOs. These are people mm-hmm. who business are- partners. Yeah, <laughs> business partners, these are politicians. Like, these are people you have access to. And they know your name. Right, they know you, they know specific moments. Their kids have specific memories of you. But if all the conversation, all that happens in the conversation is, hey, I love watching you play and you're just entertainment, then you're missing out on a major opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I started to understand, man, okay, I can take this conversation and actually turn it into legit business. Mm-hmm. And so, because I was able to do that and understand that and it's not just about me coming and taking also, it's also me adding value and understanding what are their needs? What are their goals? What, you know, Who are they trying to meet? Who's their target audience? Because I had that mindset and I was humble, like that. that humility, man, just admitting when you don't know something or mm-hmm. just saying, hey, how does this work? Or what do you, so what do you do? Tell me more. Sometimes playing dumb. You know, it, it took me such a long way and it, it helped me overcome things. That's something I see a lot of athletes struggle with. It's like you ask them, bro, what you got going on? Like, And it, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing this, this, that, and the third, not, they're not doing half the time, nothing really, they're trying to figure it out. So really that humility and telling myself, like this was big for me. In that time, was telling myself, man, Renny, how many years did it take you to be great and get to the league in the NFL, or whatnot? Ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours. So I was like, okay, it took ten thousand hours. So how long do you think it's gonna take you to be great at business? Right. Same thing. I gotta start out in little league in business, mm-hmm. and I gotta. And this is what I tell athletes all the time, man. Like you can't expect to just transfer this success over here and think it's just going to be a light switch. No. Like, nah, you got to learn the fundamentals. You got to have a team. So many of us isolate ourselves. You got to have a team. You got to have a routine. And so, so much of that time and so much of what helped me was recreating the things that made me great over here and bringing it over into my real life. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's a cool story, man. Thank you. (laughs) It's a long journey. boy.
1: No, nah, we won't. We won't take up too much more of your time. Nah, um, man, I could talk about this all day. Bro. I know. Nah, it, I'm very <laughs> interested for sure. Yeah, like just the the story, just the the grind, just the yeah. mentality, like you said, that you had, and it, and for me, what I'm taking from it, like you kind of had that that switch go off, as you said, at 12 year old. Yeah, just going through what you went through, and then kind of just as you got got going through high school and college, and just. Everything you had to deal with, and so to continue to find that motivation, using everything in your circumstance as your motivation, mm-hmm. you know, of what you're going through to help you grind and yeah. push through each situation. Not knowing, that half of the time, most people have just been like, "Man, I'm done. Like, what? I'm done. I've been done. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. been checked out. Checked out mentally." And, and and you in a lot of people fall in trouble like that. That's just how, yeah. that's how you get into trouble like that. You know, oh, people yeah. just check out. You yep. know, so you know like I said we, we appreciate you, man. Just Definitely, sharing yeah. that story and, and being vulnerable. And, and being vulnerable, like you said. No, oh yeah, that's no, the that's thing not... too. Is like you man up to be like, nah, man, I don't understand all of this. What I'm trying to do, right? But well, when I say like, yeah, I'm I going out here,
2: yeah, yeah, I did not understand. Like I didn't, even, I didn't even know what like when I got started networking and trying to really. Yeah, Get into business and, you know, understanding terminology. So, you know, when you hear business casual, like, what what does that mean? Yeah. When you go to a networking event. So I'm showing up with my Tuxedo. muscle shirt and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> looking at <laughs> um, <by> the athlete. <laughs> yeah, looking at, I mean, so, but yeah. you, you, I'm really big on growth mindset, man. So just getting the reps, putting yourself in positions that you're mm-hmm. uncomfortable, continue to, to just get the reps in. It was the same thing. So I put myself in those environments. Sometimes I'll say things that's wrong. You know, even speaking, if I look at my my video now from two thousand fifteen, man, I just, I hate watching it. I didn't even like listen to our first episode.
1: I was yeah. cringing. I ain't gonna lie, I right? <laughs> I cringe. I like I yeah same thing. You go back and look at old stuff and just how you started out. Yeah. But like you said, the more reps you do it, yep. obviously the better you are gonna get it. It's just the same thing. It's Ten thousand hours, thing. like so. it's, it's doing that.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you what do you tell twenty one year old you, mm. knowing what you know now? Yeah, and I, I mean that's probably a question we ask everybody as we right. wrap is like,
2: what, what do you, what lessons do you want twenty-one year old you to to know? Yeah, I mean, just know that you are gonna be okay. Number one, you are gonna be all right. That's what I'll tell twenty-one year old. Because it, it was so many moments that happened. It was just like, bro, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You up one second, and the next thing you down, down like it's dark. So I would just say, man, you are gonna be all right. Second thing I would say, man. Start doing that work on yourself, ASAP. Like yeah. who is Rennie Curran? And not just the surface. cause even the work that I did, it was very surface level, it was very focused on business and like survival and and you know, generating revenue, which is great. You need money to survive, don't get me wrong. But when I say get to know who you are, I mean doing a serious deep work, mm-hmm. like therapy. I'm talking about that type of get to know who you are. Your your the things from your childhood, you know that create patterns mm-hmm. shape you. that shape you, that affect how, you know, you navigate relationships and different things, whether you hurt people or not. Like a lot of that stuff stems from your childhood, right? And I didn't even talk about that, man. Um, that's for another show, but there was a lot Definitely of work.
1: you're back. <laughs>
2: yeah. There's a lot of work that I had to do, deep inner work. There was a lot of things that I had to unlearn from the game. There was so many times that I heard, even though from hearing that I was too short, it put me in this mindset where I didn't love myself, but it didn't show up like me not loving myself. It showed up with me trying to just chase, mm-hmm. whether that was relationships with women, whether that was different businesses. I call it toxic ambition. Nothing was ever good enough. Right. But it was really the root of it that I didn't find out until I did the deep inner work was I didn't love myself because of all those times I heard that I was too short. So there was just, yeah, that's what I would tell 21-year-old Rennie, man, is you got to do that work bro. like, football will not save you. That success is not going to save you. That money is not going to save you from the, the work you need to do on yourself to get to know who you are and your real identity. Definitely. Powerful. <laughs> Wisdom.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah man, so, we appreciate you coming yeah. on, man. Definitely, Most definitely. Appreciate sure y'all having definitely me, Definitely have you back. Uh yeah. What can they find you at? You know, they want That's to get in contact with you. Yeah. Whatever, you know, Instagram, Twitter, X, or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, right, right, right.
2: <laughs> uh, everything is just Rennie Curran, man. Uh, websites, Uh Website for my foundation is the Game Changers Foundation. Okay. Um, Game Changers Foundation, GA.org uh, is the website. So if there's any athletes who are going to be watching this, you're interested in speaking and Um, really being a leader in your community man um, whether it's mentoring um, you know being a part of our free camps Mm -hmm. anything like that man feel free to reach out if you're interested in public speaking uh, anything like that man or if you want help with your transition I I work with a lot of guys now um, who are in the middle of starting their transition don't know you know how to start monetizing their brand or Mm -hmm. anything like that so yeah definitely uh, reach out game changes yep yep Thanks, Rennie. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for
1: joining us on Beyond the Game. Please like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms. It really helps others find the show.
0: And a special shout out to Open Heart Media, who helps with the production. Check them out at openheartmediaco.com.